Hello, everyone. Welcome to another session of our Loyola Street Medicine podcast series. My name is Riley O'Mara, and I'm a second year medical student at the Stritch School of Medicine. I'm also the research and education chair for our Stritch Homelessness Outreach Coalition group. Today's podcast is going to introduce one of the organizations that Loyola Street Medicine partners with, the Knight Ministry. To give all of our listeners a little background, the Knight Ministry was founded in 1976 when Reverend Tom Behrens was hired by several religious congregations to reach out to those experiencing isolation and homelessness in the city of Chicago. Due to the largely unmet needs of this population, the Knight Ministry's services were in high demand. By 1984, they began recruiting volunteers to assist with their outreach, and by 1988, they had developed a health ministry program to bring free basic medical care to locations where services are most needed. Since then, their services have expanded rapidly to include things such as open-door shelters, youth housing programs, and a custom-designed 38-foot health outreach bus. The Knight Ministry has received local and national recognition, winning awards such as the Governor's Hometown Award, the Chicago Department of Public Health's Award of Excellence, and the Illuminator Award from WebMD. Thank you, Riley, for that introduction to the Knight Ministry and the amazing work that they do. My name is Dr. Teresa Wynn, and I'm an emergency medicine physician at Loyola University Medical Center and one of the medical co-directors of Loyola Street Medicine. Today, we are joined by two special guests from the Knight Ministry who have been gracious enough to share some of their experiences that they have had during their time providing outreach to Chicago's vulnerable homeless community. Our first guest is Kiana Johnson, who is a lead street medicine outreach worker at the Knight Ministry. They are passionate about playing an active role in the community and serving others. Recently, Kiana also started on a journey to become a nurse and is currently in nursing school at UIC. And in their limited free time, Kiana loves to read fantasy romance, watch anime, and FaceTime with friends. Welcome, Kiana. Hello. Thanks for having me. Our second guest is Yuella Tepper, who has been working for the last year and a half as the substance use specialist with the Knight Ministry. They have worked in nonprofit healthcare for seven years after they made a career change from being a theater and circus producer. They love entertainment wrestling, drag, their dog, harm reduction, reproductive and disability justice, and polar seltzer. Welcome, Yoella. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you both for being here. Kiana, I'll start with you. We've already heard a brief bio about you, but can you please share a little bit more with the audience about the work that you do as a lead outreach worker, a little bit of background about what led you to the Night Ministry and how you're currently interacting with individuals experiencing homelessness? Um, so I've been with the Night Ministry for two years now in my role as the lead street medicine outreach worker. Um, I'm responsible for making sure that the van goes out, make sure we're staffed. I work to coordinate with the volunteers we work with out on the van, um, make sure we have all the supplies we need, work with the team to uh, make sure that we're visiting all of the encampments across the city on a regular basis and that we're tracking um, new encampments that pop up as well, and essentially just kind of making sure that things run smoothly. I got connected to the Night Ministry when I moved up here uh, to about two years ago, essentially, uh, to with doing a public allies program. Our public allies is an AmeriCorps program 
Um, and I was matched with the night ministry doing HIV testing. Um, and from there, after I finished that program, I got hired on as the street medicine outreach worker. And then shortly after promoted. Um, and so from then on, I've just been here. And currently what's been going on is just, we've just been trying to trap people when you're living out on the street, it's you, you roam around a lot. Um, and so that's kind of one of my main responsibilities nowadays is to make sure that we're finding where people are, people are going so we can continue to bring resources to them. And yeah, just making sure that we can provide all the resources to help people, people survive out there. And do you mind just talking a little bit more about what services are specifically offered on the van? Yeah. Um, so generally we're providing food, water, um, clothes, depending on the weather. So now that it's um, cold out, um, you know, we have hats, gloves, scarves, winter coats, things like that. Um, we also provide you know, hygiene products, um, shoes if they're, they've been donated, any sort of clothing items we have available. Um, and harm reduction supplies as well, which I think Yoella can talk to you about that. They're the expert. Um, but that generally includes like needles, pipes, um, Narcan as well. And then we also have uh, a medical provider that's generally out with us um, every shift. They're, they're providing the most basic care. We can you know give antibiotics and over-the-counter meds, um, provide wound care um, and things like that, and then refer people to um, primary care services. Um, and then we also have a social worker on our team um, to help connect people to housing resources. Um, and I do a little bit of that work as well, you know, getting people their state IDs, um, birth certificates, um, and any sort of other case management services, like referring people for other resources like Medicaid and uh, link card services and things like that. Yeah, I'm actually glad you covered all that because I think it really goes to show the complex coordination that is involved in caring for individuals experiencing homelessness. And, you know, especially within street medicine, we say that it's not just about treating the blood pressure. It's not just about, you know, linking these patients to primary care. There's so much more involved, as you mentioned. And, and I think all of those are essential too, in terms of building trust and relationships. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great point, Dr. Wynn, especially when a lot of times I think for these populations experiencing homelessness, some of their more immediate concerns aren't always, what's my blood pressure? A lot of times they're more worried about what clothes can I wear to stay warm? What meal am I going to get for food? Where can I stay tonight? Those sorts of things. So it's nice to have kind of that multifaceted approach to people's wellness. Kiana, you had mentioned um, harm reduction supplies. So let's talk to Yoella a little bit about their role as a substance use specialist, especially when it comes to working with a population that's often labeled and stigmatized. Yoella, can you tell us a little more about the work that you do and how you've been able to build trust and relationships with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my title is substance use specialist. The work that I do on a daily basis is really so many different things um, that encompass that role. Um, one of the main things that I do is organize a lot of our harm reduction programs and particularly our syringe exchange um, alongside some folks in our um, administrative team for the outreach health ministry as well. So we're organizing what supplies we have, how much supplies we have, 
what are the new things that people are using on the street? You know, what are just the needs of the people who are using drugs, which is really important to me. Um, so I go out about four days a week. I'm on the street medicine team. I do our CTA program and hang out with you guys every week, which is amazing. Um, and then I also will liaise with our bus team and also sometimes our youth department as well, because like, you know, there's drug users everywhere. It's not like only folks who are living on the street or like only young people or, or you know, what have you are using drugs. Everybody uses drugs, you know. Um, so that is primarily the work that I do. But I can also um, talk with folks about what their goals are. And that's a really big thing in harm reduction is like, what are your goals with your use? Um, I'm in my role. My role is not to tell people to stop using a substance. You know, that's really important to me. And I'm also, I'm not licensed, you know, I'm not a social worker. I didn't go to social work school. I don't have a CADC. I am a person that really first and foremost, wanted to work with people who are experiencing homelessness and who are unhoused and unstably housed, and also have gone through my own struggles with substance use um, and just really wanted to be a peer more than anything. Um, and I think that actually is super beneficial in my role. And, you know, you asked about like how to build trust with people and, you know, there's incredible training out there. And I definitely... I will refer people out when it is beyond my capacity as a peer. And I think that's really important to do and to be able to recognize when people need that support. But sometimes it really is just like talking with people and saying, hey, like, how are you feeling? How is your body? How's your brain? What's going on? And then eventually the conversation will move over to substances or drugs or what have you. And maybe it won't. And also sometimes it's people who go, oh God, no, I don't use drugs. And then that opens up a conversation, you know, like about Narcan. So a lot of the work that I do is talking to people, um, <laughs> which is great. And I really love doing that, you know, before I did this, as you heard, I had a career in theater and circus and with lots of wacky, cool people. Um, and I just, I love talking to people. So that's the main thing that I do here. And I just wanted to interject real quick, maybe for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with harm reduction. So harm reduction is a set of practical strategies and ideas that are aimed at reducing negative consequences associated with drug use. Harm reduction is also a movement for social justice build on a belief in and a respect for the rights of people who use drugs. And ultimately, at the end of the day, harm reduction saves lives. Absolutely. I feel like oftentimes people can express um, negative views towards helping people that are experiencing homelessness, whether that be giving them money or giving them clean needles or things like that. Do you often encounter people that have those misconceptions? And how do you try to respond to them or correct those misunderstandings? <laughs> that is a great question. Um, I personally, I mean, whenever I've been out on the van, I think that kind of happens at least once a week where you get a call from somebody that has uh, a houseless neighbor and they and the initial request is to remove them or um, somebody come kind of pulls up when we're doing outreach and they're like, why are you doing this work? Um, and my response is always the same. It's like, I am a couple of missed paychecks away from being in their same situation. Um, and so who am I to judge someone for them living out on the street? Because I should hope that 
if I'm in the same position as them one day, that my kindness will pay, pay, pay forward for me, that these folks will include me in their community. And I think a lot of it kind of just boils down to like human decency. Um, that person that is living in a tent across the street from your, your apartment is still human and they're still deserving of connection and conversation and kindness. Um, and so that's just kind of where I leave it with people at the end of the day. Um, you know, you can't convince everyone that you, you know, being kind goes a long way and that everybody is deserving of that as a baseline. I try to lead with that essentially. Um, that when I'm talking to somebody, they get res- they get my respect immediately. And that goes with whether they're living on the street or they're like my next door neighbor. Everybody gets treated with the same respect, the same dignity. Um, and you get that response from um, the people we serve all the time too, is I don't feel respected. People judge me all the time. Nobody looks me in the eye. People think that I, when I walk around, they just want, that I just want something from them. And that that weighs on you eventually um, until you think, well, maybe I need to act like that to get what I want, um, because you get conditioned that people are going to mistreat me because of the way that I look. So maybe I need to act that way um, so I can get what I need. So I think if anybody takes anything from this, just talk to your neighbor, um, talk to your houseless neighbor, say hi, how are you? or get to know them just like you would your next door neighbor ask, get to know them like you would your friend. Um, And eventually maybe you might open up and get to know their story. Um, People end up on the street for so many different reasons. Um, And it shouldn't be like a typecast or a judgment that you see somebody panhandling and you're immediately like, oh, they're doing drugs. That's why they're out there. People, I've met people who have like had master's degrees and lost their jobs and have ended up in this situation, people who have experienced trauma and they've felt safer to be out on the street. Um, and so p- there's a, a large variety of people out there. Um, and just because they're living on the, out on the street right now does not mean that their past and their story should be erased completely. Yeah, absolutely. I And I think that there's so many factors and systems at play and as Kiana said like most people are very close to losing their housing and they don't realize it anybody who works paycheck to paycheck you are so much closer to neighbors who are staying on the street than you are to like being a millionaire being a millionaire exactly like that's a, a classic one right um but there's just so many systems at play and the support that is actually there is so hard to access. There are so many barriers in the way and there's great people who work in organizations and there's great people who work on the city and the state level. And it is a huge, huge problem, bigger than any of us. Um, So I think just like a lot of what we do is getting people to understand that it's not this person's fault. Like it is never someone's fault that they are doing this. And ideally every single person would have a safe place to live. Now, of course, there's tons of people who choose not to, and that's totally fine. I mean, like think about there's like all the people who are 
rehabbing vans or going backpacking across Europe. Like it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like you're literally, you are going and making a choice to live your life as you want. Now that's fine. And people, there's also, we definitely have clients who are like, eh, I'm just kind of roaming around. Hey, that's so fine. When it comes to, I want to make a change with my life. I don't want to do this anymore. We are able to support them, but there's so many barriers in place. So it's really difficult. It's, it's, it's tough, but one by one and person by person Mm -hmm. and interaction by interaction, we know that that connection, as Kiana said, is so important. And I'm sure Kiana has experienced this and you guys over on the medical side have experienced this, that like one decent interaction can completely change someone's life. I like the point that you guys both made of kind of trying to get people to transition from viewing homelessness as a problem in my neighborhood to viewing people that are experiencing homelessness as my neighbors. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is something that not a lot of people take the time to consider. And so that just echoes how important the work that the night ministry and street medicine organizations are doing to kind of view these people that are living among us as our neighbors, even if that means that they don't have a house or an apartment like we might. Um, Additionally, the night ministry has a good neighbor guide that's available online and that we will make available on our website. This is a guide that gives some ways that you can be a better neighbor to people that might be experiencing homelessness in your area. So I was going to ask if any of you guys have had any difficult encounters with clients as you're approaching them and what you may have done to try to build that trust and relationship in those circumstances. I think I, I just want to say first and foremost, that as much as we're saying like, yes, go talk to people and like try to create relationships with them. Those folks, yeah, respect boundaries. They don't have to have a relationship with you. And it's not a personal thing. Being on the street is traumatizing. Mm -hmm. So think about anybody who has trauma. It takes years to build trust. So it's pretty amazing that we can, you know, because we have the names Night Ministry, we've done this work for 30, 40 years. And we've worked on our trust with the community for 30 to 40 years. So although it is a really good idea to meet people where they're at, to treat them like a human, because we Mm -hmm. all are, if you have a reaction that you're not expecting, it's not personal. It doesn't mean that folks are not worth interacting with. It just means that maybe that person's having a really bad day, or maybe something, maybe their stuff just got stolen and they don't want to do this. They don't want to small talk. They don't want to do it. We just want to be left alone. We all have those days. So I think just first and foremost, like, please educate yourself. Please interact with folks. But again, it's not personal if someone doesn't want to, and you shouldn't force yourself and force an interaction with them. But I will say, yeah, I've absolutely had interactions with folks who they either don't know who we are or they do know who we are and they're just like, no, I'm, I'm good. Or maybe, you know, I had an interaction the other week with someone who has been trying to get housing for a really long time 
And he got really, really mad at us, the night ministry. He said, we didn't do it. We didn't do anything. And that was his perspective. We work really hard to try to get folks what they need. We're not miracle workers, you know? Um, And again, it's just about respecting them and going, you know what? Yeah, I see you. I hear you. Is there anything that I can do for you in the moment? And if there's not, then there's not. And, you know, not forcing yourself to fix what is going on immediately, just listening and asking what that person needs and accepting that you may not be able to help. I think just like what Yoella was saying, respecting people's boundaries is a really big thing. Whenever I go out um, to see somebody that I may not have interacted with before, I always bring a lunch with me because I think food is like a really good icebreaker to be like, hey, how are you? I'm Kiana with the night ministry. Can I get you this lunch? And that usually will work for for most people um, because one, I'm not here, a stranger coming up to you and be like, hey, what's your life story? Can I help you with anything? Because that, if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, that's weird. Um, I don't want to talk to you. But also I have, I'm offering something right in that moment. That's probably a really big need for them. Um, and so already from the start, we're, we're tr- uh, beginning to build trust. I think in negative experiences, I'm respecting people's no. Um, when somebody tells me, no, I'm okay. Every once in a while, I'll double check because I'm like, are you sure you don't want the lunch? Or at least you want the water or are you sure you don't want the socks or something like that? Um, just to double check. But if somebody's firm and saying, no, I'm good, I respect it. And we move forward. Um, it's not like you were saying, it's not that they're trying to be disrespectful. It's that it's not that, you know, going to that one of those stereotypes, it's not that they're ungrateful, right? Like, uh, people don't have to accept the things that you're offering. Um, because a lot of the times those things that you're offering are probably not in great quality either. Right. Um, if you came up to your best friend and you're like, Hey, here's these used socks I've been wearing for a year. I washed them, but do you need them? Would you say, (laughs) would they accept it? Probably not. So why would we do the same to somebody else just because they're out on the street? Um, people are not less deserving of quality items, um, because they're, they need to survive just the same as we do. Um, so I think that's, that's the bigger part of it. Um, if somebody, again, is saying like, I'm, I'm good, I'm okay. Or even if they're in like, like a bad mood, like Yoelo was saying, it's not that they're mad at us directly. They're mad at the situation more than that's how I take it off most of the time. Even when they say the night ministry caused something Mm -hmm. like, uh, like caused a problem for them or that we didn't do something for them that they would have liked. I'm usually taking it as they're mad at the situation because I can't imagine being happy, go lucky all the time if I'm living out in the street, if it's negative 10 out and the wind is blowing and it's snowing and it's piling on and I don't have a plan for the future and I'm just trying to manage to get through the night, of course I'm going to be mad, right? Of course I'm not going to be in a great mood. Of course I'm not going to do want to do small talk because it's at that moment, it's I need my basic needs met. I need a plan for how I'm going to survive through the night and the hi, how are you is not going to help me get there at that moment. Um, so I think in those negative interactions, especially if you're going to go talk to your neighbor out there, just be prepared for them to say no. Be prepared for them to have a negative reaction to you, especially if it's the first time you've ever talked to them. 
I'm sure they recognize you if you're walking your dog at the in the morning, you know, before work. They probably have seen you just as often as you've seen them. So if you're just saying hi, just start out with a wave. Hey, how are you? And you know, build from there. Yeah, and I think that's a great reminder to all of us, right? To lead with empathy and compassion, to prioritize their autonomy and remember that sometimes we may be offering things to them that they don't really need and that actually aren't helpful. And we should respect their choice to reject any offer of help. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's if they don't want the secondhand shoes and they don't want the food that we're offering, that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. You had kind of mentioned how, especially when it's your first time interacting with someone, they might not initially trust you or might not initially be as willing to accept your help as they would be if, oh, I've seen you here every week handing out lunches for the past two years. What sort of advice would you have for people that are looking to get involved or to kind of first get started interacting with this population? Confront your biases. That's the biggest thing. Educate yourself about all the harmful stereotypes of the homeless population. Not everybody out here is using drugs, and if they are, it doesn't make them a bad person. Educate yourself about harm reduction and what that truly means. And, you know, combat the fear that you have of homeless people. Um, They are not out here to target you or hurt you or cause you any harm in any way. Um, And so for me, that's that's the biggest thing that I consider before any volunteer medical or outreach or whatever the capacity it is that they want to contribute to service is you need to do the work first before you come here, because there's a lot of work to be done. Um, And we don't really have the time to spend to educate you on how um, those stereotypes are causing harm to people. Because at the end of the day, like you all are saying, it's been 30, 40 years of the night ministry out here. We built trust with a lot of people in the community. And the way that information spreads by word of mouth among the people that we provide services to, should somebody come out there and cause harm in such a way that they, that person takes it with them, it will spread like wildfire and it'll, it'll ruin the relationships that we've spent so many, so much time building. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing is just do the work. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. I think going off of that, I understand why people who have never thought to interact with someone panhandling or sleeping on the street or what have you, I understand why you would want to go out with an organization. Because as we said, we have built the trust. We've done it. But I also would ask yourself, if you've never interacted with anyone before, why? Why do you only want to do it when you're with us? Mm -hmm. I had the idea. I saw one of my friends leave an organization and start working with folks I think we're like more unstably housed, not necessarily just living on the street. And I went, I want to do that. And then it took me four and a half, five years to actually do it because I went, okay, but what do I really want? What do I really want to do? Why do I want to go into this line of work? And I started talking to people more and I started giving out cash more. And I started asking people, Hey, I don't have any cash on me, but do you want me to buy you a cup of coffee? What do you want? And I started doing that. And I said, oh, wow, 
this is awesome. Like it is so great meeting people, especially as Keanu was saying, like folks are not even looked at or acknowledged. Like that is so important to just be acknowledged. Tons of our clients say to us, I feel invisible all the time. And so I would challenge folks to really think about why you would like to help out in this situation. If it's just for your own, like, I want to look like a good person, like, I get that. We all want to feel good. But you may not get that out of that. You may have a really hard day. You may see a lot of really rough, traumatizing things. And we're not going to deny that. But we're also not going to deny that you are helping so much when you come out and do this. Like, we are so grateful, especially to you guys on Thursday nights and, you know, taking the time to spend with clients and taking the time to treat them so well. They get such good care. And you don't just do that and go, ah, yes, I, I guess I'll go do that today. You go, I'm making a conscious choice to come here and work with a population who I know have been harmed by the own system that I'm working in, you know? And that's so important. And, you know, you guys show up and give people such excellent care, not only just as medical professionals, but as people and really, really seeing them. And I think that's really, really important for folks who want to volunteer, really do any work with, um, you know, our in-house neighbors. Yeah, I think you both brought up very important points that are important for anybody that wants to be involved in any volunteer capacity, whether it's from a medical perspective or, you know, an outreach perspective. And so we appreciate your honesty and insight with all of that. And there are opportunities to, you know, there absolutely, there's so many opportunities to help us out on a non outreach level as well. That make such a, I think that's also sometimes people don't understand. They're like, I want to go out there. I want to be on the street. And like, that's awesome. We sometimes don't always have the capacity to take on people, but the things that folks do like creating hygiene kits. Mm -hmm. I've had volunteers who have actually helped me put together some harm reduction um, supplies for people. They drive and get donations. You know, they source in-kind like blankets and coats and they ask us what our clients want. Like, yeah, that makes such a difference. That is literally how we are able to do our work. So, you know, if you are nervous about that in any way and you just feel like it's not right for you, that is totally fine because there's so many ways to get involved that are not standing alongside with us as the outreach workers or, you know, working in that capacity. There's mm -hmm. so much that everyone can do, even just spreading awareness and combating stigmas about how people talk about our unhoused neighbors is so important. So if you do absolutely nothing else except for, you know, trying talk to, to your mean neighbor about talking to your mean neighbor, <laughs> you know, talk to, you know, at the next family dinner, combat some of the stigmas that people are saying, say, Hey, actually, you know, I volunteered or I listened to this podcast and I learned X, Y, Z, you know, that, is going to make such, that's how we make a difference. And that's, as Kiana said, how we build community. Mm -hmm. And speaking to what Yola said, if all you do is you want to share information, we have so many of our street medicine business cards. Mm -hmm. I will give you a pile of them so you can hand them out to people and say, hey, these guys are out every day except for Sunday. 
Call them if you need something. We will answer the phone. We will get to you as soon as we can, and we will find a way to get you what you need. Um, so if that's if that's the capacity that you have to offer help, then then by all means, we will appreciate it. A lot of our work is donation based. Um, a lot of the services we give out, especially clothes, um, are donation based. And so if we don't have it, we can't give it out. So you are doing a lot by contributing those clothing items you know, again, not your used socks, um, but give, giving those clothing items to us, like to give out to the community, it's really helpful. And you do make a huge impact that way. Thanks so much for sharing that. I think that you both definitely emphasized the importance of taking the time to self-reflect before you go and engage in any sort of volunteer capacity to make sure that you're doing it not so that you feel good about yourself, but so that you're ready to serve someone else and make someone else feel good. So that's a really important distinction. To kind of wrap up our discussion, um, I'm wondering if you both would be comfortable kind of sharing with our listeners what home means to you. I'll start. Home to me is community. Um, It's love and friendship. It's kindness. It's human connection. It's being able to depend on somebody to be able to, you know, lean on in good and bad times. Um, it sounds like a cheesy love song, but <laughs> like, if you have a community of somebody, even if it's just one person and you're like, I trust them so much that I can tell them anything that's going on with me, good or bad, and they will support me. Um, that's that's home to me. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people we serve, they they don't have that, um, which can make a lot of this that much harder. But um, yeah, home is community. I have a really hard time answering this question. It is exactly what Tiana said. It's it doesn't matter where it doesn't matter where you are. It matters who is around you to support you. And also I think really importantly, like, are you able to be comfortable with yourself? I really struggle with that. I really, really struggle with that. And having things either physical or not that make you feel like yourself is so important. Um, And this is a shout out to my partner, Jax. Hi Jax, if you're listening. But I feel so at home with my partner. They make me feel like I am me and let me be me as a person. And they don't judge me. It is about feeling safe. And I think that our neighbors don't feel that all the time. Thank you again, Kiana and Yoela, for your time today. We appreciate your valuable insight and the work that you do. As a reminder to our listeners, you can visit our website, loyolastreetmedicine.com, and the Night Ministry's website, thenightministry.org, if you're interested in getting involved, donating, or learning more about the services we provide. Thank you for listening.